0: Well, good afternoon, community of faith. How are you guys doing? Good. All right. So I haven't seen you since last year. So happy new year. All right. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, the Bible, uh, besides being God's revelation of himself to us, it's um, our main source of wisdom. This is why we go to the Bible to get wisdom in order for us to be able to make the, the right decisions. But I've noticed that sometimes people confuse wisdom with morality. Uh, Morality is part of wisdom, but wisdom goes much further in than just morality, because sometimes in life you will have uh, multiple options, and sometimes many of those options are morally correct. So the question is not what is the best moral answer, but what's the wisest choice that I can make. Uh, We're going through this series called Smart Home, where we have been uh, learning how to precisely do those wise choices, how to live in a smarter way. Uh, We we have seen some amazing messages about marriage, uh, about parenting. And today we're going to look at an area uh, that is usually not studied in depth. It's usually mentioned in in some messages, you know, as a point, and we pass it real fast. Uh, But the Bible tells us that it's a crucial part of our life, which is friendship, smart friendships, uh, friendships are super important for your well-being as a person, and particularly for your growth, spiritually speaking. Okay? Uh, according to the Bible, you are not going to do very well in life unless you learn how to select, how to maintain, how to forge true friendships. We're going to study in the book of Proverbs several Proverbs that are going to teach us several things about friendship. Um, you will see that we're going to study Proverbs that we're going to repeat more than once because that's one of the, the, the things with Proverbs. The same proverb can teach you more than one lesson. So as you will see, we will get uh, a lot more than just one lesson from each one of them. There's four things that I want to cover today, so let's get started. Uh, and uh, number one in your notes, I wrote there, the importance of real friendship. I have noticed how many people don't realize how crucial that area of their life is. Proverbs 18:24 says this: "One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother." You know, when you think about uh, the times and the culture to what this proverb was written to, you, you would be surprised because at that time and in that culture, the most important uh, concept was family, and, and this proverb says that. Unreliable friends will take you to ruin, but there's a friend that sticks closer to a brother. You know, they're giving more importance to friendship than to families. So how could they say something like that? Well, this next proverb sheds a little bit of light into that. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. You know what he's saying? Uh, when you have adversity in your life, Uh, Your your blood relatives, your brothers, your sisters will always run to help you because they have this blood connection with you. But that doesn't mean they like you, okay? (laughs) See, a, 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 a friend is a person that picks you as a friend and you pick them as a friend. Family is given to you by God. Friends you pick, okay? So maybe your brothers, you know, would help you in time of adversity, that doesn't mean they want to hang out with you all the time or be the person that they do life with. You know, that word says sticks closer than, you know, it means glued, like bonded, like it's a commitment that comes out of, of true love, but it's a love of a different type. And this is why in some ways it turns out better than to have a brother or a sister. And I know some of you might be thinking you're wrong, uh, you know, uh, my sister is my best friend or my brother is my best friend. And, and I, I will agree with you. There are certain people who develop an amazing friendship with their brothers or with their sisters, but that's not usually the case. No, just think about it and think how many people, you know, that the, the person that they choose to hang out most of the time, spend most of the, you know, their time, do life with, get counsel from is their siblings. It's not usually the case. Sometimes it is, and that's a, definitely a blessing. But real friendship brings something unique into your life. And see, the problem is that cultures today tend to push friendship to the back seat. Like if it wasn't that important. If you think of our culture, Western culture, what they push forward is romantic or erotic love. And friendship is not as important as that. Just look at what we see in this culture and you'll see how that plays out. If you look at the gossip magazines at the store, you will rarely see a header that says, guess who's friends with whom? You know, or guess who stopped being friends with this other person? You know, they're usually talking about sexual relations, who's sleeping with whom and who's doing what with whom, you know? but not friendship. You know, uh, if, if you uh, like look at the music, for example, If you, in a balance, put all the songs that have written about romantic love and all the songs that have been written about friendship, which one do you think would be heavier? Or look at at TV shows and movies. You know, um, I was a fan when I was in my 20s of a show called Magnum P.I. You guys remember that show, the original one with Tom Selleck? Yeah? Well, I know I blew a generation here, but uh, that was one of my favorite shows. You know why? Because it was based on friendship. See, the whole thing of the show wasn't the solving of the mysteries. It was the the friendship that three ex soldiers from the US formed together and an ex soldier from, from the British Army. His name was Higgins. And they always played like they didn't like each other, but at the end, they always helped each other and were there for each other. You know that they remade that show now, as of 2018? Have you seen the new version? Higgins is a woman. And the whole show is about the sexual tension between Magnum and Higgins. Why the change? Because friendship is not as important, it's not as exciting. So, in this culture, they push it to your face romantic love, erotic love, friendship is not as important. If you go to Eastern cultures, the most important thing is family. If you see the socialist cultures, the most important is. Civical, you know, civic relationships and responsibilities, and they all push friendship back. Why? Because friendship is not a biological or social need. See, um, uh, l- l- friendship is the only relationship that requires a deliberate, intentional love. And I don't know if I uh, explained myself clearly. C.S. Lewis. Uh, wrote an essay on on the different loves of people. He called it the four loves. And when he talked about friendship, he said, friendship is the least necessary of our loves. If there wasn't for erotic love, you wouldn't have been born. If there wasn't for family love, you wouldn't have been raised correctly. If there wasn't for responsible responsible social relationships, society wouldn't be able to survive. Uh, And societies like ours that are always rushed, that we're super busy, that we have this technology that kind of enslave us. What gets pulled out of our agenda are real friendships. But Proverbs, you know, it, it goes as far as to say you cannot survive without friendships because friendship brings something unique and necessary to your life. Constantly, Proverbs would say that the fool will perish because of lack of friends or selecting the wrong friends. Okay? So, um, Now, something important to keep in mind is, we just saw this proverb that said, a friend stick closer than a brother. Did you hear that It said, a friend. See, the Bible tries to convey to us the idea that real friends, you're not going to have that many. They're going to be counted with the fingers of your hands in the best case scenario. I mean, even Jesus had hundreds of people follow, 12 that were close, but only three that were really close to him. You know, there's not that many. So the question is, how do we find these friends? Well, actually, the right word is discover. See, number two in your notes is how do we discover a friend? Let's see what I mean with this discover. Proverbs uh, 27, verse 9 says this. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. It's like the sweetness of friendship. See, the original word there derives from the word honey. You know, so so what it's saying is true friendship is like a deliciously sweet meal. You know why that is very interesting? When this proverb was written, people didn't have sugar. Which means you couldn't just sweeten the meal. You know, if you wanted to make something sweeter, you didn't grab a spoon of sugar and say, Oh, now it's sweeter. If you wanted to eat something sweet, you had to discover food that was already sweet. So what's saying is, you know, the sweetness in friendship needs to be discovered. This is how I explained it to you in your notes. Friendship requires an affinity that cannot be created. It has to be discovered. See, the the, the very foundation necessary for friendship is that we share an affinity for something external to us. It doesn't have so much to do with the person. Of course, there there will have to be certain chemistry and stuff for friendship, but you have to share a common interest in something that is external to you. Ralph Waldo Emerson, who also wrote an essay on friendship, says uh, friendship doesn't ask, do you love me? Do you like me? You know, friendship asks something more like, Do you really have the passion for the same thing that I have passion for? Do you also like to do this activity? Do you find these things interesting? That's what friendship comes from. C.S. Lewis says that the most common question that starts a friendship is something on the line of, no, you do? You like this too? You, You find this cool? You know. So even though we can find romantic love and friendship in the same person, and and I think we have to make a parenthesis here real fast. To all the uh, single people in this room that are hoping to get married, it is a necessity for you that before you move into erotic or romantic love with a person, you go slow enough to find out if you have an affinity with them. See, the problem in our culture is that people move so fast into romantic or erotic love that they never you know, realize that they are actually getting together with someone that they have nothing else in common. And, and that's bad news, because you know what? If your only affinity is like for sex, everyone has that one, okay? Everyone likes sex. But like any marriage couple will tell you, that is not enough to sustain a relationship. It's an important part of marriage, but by far, is not the most important thing. Okay, so... End of parentheses. Okay, but even though we can find uh, uh, you know romantic love and friendship in the same person, it is a blessing when you do. Okay, Uh, but in certain ways, being in love and being friends is completely different. Just think about it. You know, uh, lovers often talk about their love for each other. Friendship rarely does that. You know, as friends, you're not talking about how good a friend you are. You know, like. You're just enjoying things together. Lovers are usually gazing at each other, absorbed in each other, and friends are usually shoulder to shoulder absorbed in something else, something that they enjoy doing together, okay? Um, Actually, (laughs) C.S. Lewis, in a very harsh way in his essay, says those poor people that all they are trying to do is make friends cannot make them because the very condition to make friends is to look for something aside from friendship. See, if I come to you and I say, you, do you like to do this too? And you say to me, I don't really care. I just want to be your friend. It's kind of weird. You know, <laughs> it's like, okay, you know. <laughs> because, you know, if you don't have a taste for anything, you know, you have nothing to share. If you don't know where you're going, how can you find traveling companions? There's nothing to base the friendship on. And this is why friendship needs to be discovered. But discovering is not enough. You have to discover it, but friendship then has to be forged. Uh, The book of Proverbs shows us four things that are necessary for true friendships. I'm going to go through these four, and you can see these four in one of two ways. You can use this to measure your friendships. You can hear these four things and you will know if the people that you think are your friends are really your friends, or if the people that you think you're a friend to them, you're really a friend or not. Or you can see them as the building blocks for friendship. Okay? Uh, Number three says characteristics that forge a true friendship. First one, letter A, A, a real friend is consistent. It's consistent. What does this mean? Uh, if you remember the beginning of Proverbs 17:17, 17, 17, we just read it a minute ago, said, a friend loves at all times. What does that mean? Does it mean that you're all the time with your friend? Obviously not. You know, actually, there are Proverbs that say, if you're all the time in your friend's house, they're going to get tired of you. Okay, so it, it is not what it means. What it means is a friend is a friend at all types of times. Your friends will be there in the good times, in the bad times, in the ordinary times, in the extraordinary times. See, to be a good friend, you have to be always available, but particularly when things are going bad. Uh, see, uh, once again, Proverbs 18:24 says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What this means is, a a, a real friend will never allow you to go to ruin. If there's anything that friend can do, they'll do that in order for you not to go to ruin and they'll stick close to you regardless of what happens. See, I'm going to say something very harsh, uh, but we need to be very honest to understand these concepts, okay? Most of the people that knows you and try to get close to you did it because you were useful to them in some way. And before you start looking suspiciously to the people around you, you have to be honest and recognize that you did the same thing. Most of the people that you got close to and wanted to get close to, it's because they were useful to you in some way. People can be useful for many things. You know, some people are useful to to, to get a task done or or to get to know other people or just to have a good time. You know, just to hang out and, and enjoy the day. You know, they're useful to that but you see the people that relates with you just because you're useful when things go bad they vanish they disappear they're no longer there a real friend is there with you no matter what happens because for a true friend you're not the ends you know the, the means to an end you're the end itself okay so so they're always there and and even if it costs them if they have to rearrange their agenda if it's uncomfortable, they're there. They'll stick with you better than a brother sometimes, says, says the Bible. So that's consistency. Besides that, let B, a be, a real friend cares for you. you know? and, and, and to understand this, what this means, we need to read this verse and then think about it for a minute. See, Proverbs 25, verse 20 says, Singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in cold weather Or pouring vinegar in a wound. Singing cheerful songs. What type of person can sing a cheerful song to a person that has a broken heart, a heavy heart? Can can you think of what type of person that is? It's a person that is emotionally disconnected. It's not connected to your heart. Emotional disconnection means they can be happy when you're sad. If, if a person can be singing songs when you're crying, they're not your friend. And if you can be happy when somebody else is brokenhearted, you're not a friend to them. See, so one, one of the things that we analyzed when we studied parenting in Cancun, I was telling them how interesting it is to me that as a parent, you can only be as happy as the least happy of your children. Have you experienced that? The happiness of your kids sets a lid on your happiness. If they're unhappy, you're unhappy. See, but that's a, a, a bond, an emotional connection that happens automatically the day that they're born. You're their parent, they're your kids, and you have that bond. But when it comes to friendship, that's a gift. The gift of emotional connection that I suffer when you suffer, and I'm happy when you're happy. See, that's what true friendship really is. You create that emotional connection and and. You know, this is one of the reasons why it's very hard to have a lot of friends. Because the, the emotional, you know, luggage is heavy. You're carrying with the emotions of a lot of people. And this is why we have few friends. You know, the, the people that's like, I have hundreds of friends. You're lying. You don't have hundreds of friends. You may know a lot of people, but you don't, you don't, you don't have that emotional connection with 500 people. You know, actually, that verse that we read that, that says that, you know, he who has unreliable friends will go to ruin. A different way to translate that same Hebrew phrase is he who has a lot of friends will go to ruin. Because the reality is, if you have hundreds of friends, you don't really have friends. Real friends are very few and they're emotionally connected. And here's where things are going to start getting very tricky with friendship. Letter C says, a real friend confronts you. See, a real friend will confront you. Um, There is a very interesting relationship between verses five and six of this next proverb. Proverb 27, verses five and six says this. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. So what are friendly wounds? See, what this means is a real friend will speak the truth to his or her friends knowing that that is going to hurt them but knowing that they need to hear it. That's a friendly wound. When you share with a friend, you have seen them do something that is going to get them in trouble and you tell them the truth knowing it's going to hurt their heart but you know they have to hear it. What happens if I am afraid to tell you what you need to hear? You know what that means? I'm not your real friend. So this is the relationship between verses five and six. See, verse five says hidden love. What's hidden love? That's when I am afraid to tell you the truth. When I am hiding completely, you know, from you, what you should be hearing. And, 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 and you know, I, if I think I'm loving you by hiding the truth, you know, people say like, no, it's just I love this person so much. I can't tell them these things. But look at what it connects to in verse six. Hidden love in verse 5 is the same as kisses from an enemy in verse 6. So you're behaving like an enemy. If you're saying, I love this person, I cannot possibly tell them these things. What you're saying is, I love myself so much, I can tell them these things. Because if they get angry and they walk away, then they won't be useful to me anymore. So the one that I really love is me. I don't love you. If I loved you, I would tell you what you need to hear. Proverbs 29, verse 5 says, To flatter friends is to lay a trap for their feet. If instead of telling you the truth, so that you would have a clearer vision of who you are, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, you're know, you walking into a a trap because I'm flattering you. And you're going to walk into messes in your life because you're not hearing the truth. You, You remember the first years of American Idol? I don't know if you watch that show. I saw like the first three seasons or four seasons. They would have these kids that would come and start singing and it would be horrible. I mean, horrible. And you will just see the judge's faces going like this. And it's like, who told you you could sing? Well, my friends and my my mom is like, they they don't love you, dude. Find better friends. They're lying to you. You You cannot just flatter other people. And by the way, the more money and power that you have, the more this is going to happen to you. People would just flatter you. You're know, because you useful to them. But here's what makes friendship complicated. This is why it gets tricky. Would you realize how hard it is to balance the last two points that I just mentioned? You have to care for the hearts of your friends, but you also have to be willing to tell them the truth. See, confrontation means I am going to be honest with you But caring for your heart means, but I'm going to say it in a way that it's loving. And I'm going to say it anyway, knowing that it's going to hurt as much you as it's going to hurt me. The the pain is real when the person is really your friend. When you tell them these things, it hurts. If you're saying something painful to the other one and it doesn't hurt, you're not their friend. This is why being a friend is so hard. Because if you keep quiet, you know, or, or, or it doesn't hurt you, you're not really a friend. To be a friend, the pain is real. Because you need all of them. You have to be consistent, you have to be careful, but you have to be honest. And letter D says, a real friend gives you godly counsel. See, the end of this proverb, we already saw it. Proverbs 27, verse 9 said, the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Counsel, counsel that comes from the heart. But here's where, you know, a different type of relationships is needed. And we're going to talk more about this in a minute. But if you notice, I said godly counsel. What you need to get from your friends is godly counsel. But this uh, verse hearty counsel. See, the question here is, who reigns in the hearts of your friends? If they give you advice from their heart, Who is reigning in their hearts? Because if God is not reigning in their hearts, their counsel might be terrible. But if you can spend time, you know, with a true friend that it has to fulfill two requisites, that has earned your trust and has demonstrated wisdom in his or her life in the area that they're counseling you, that interaction can be transformational to you. You know, but you have to understand they really have to show that they have been wise in in the choices that they have made in their lives in that area. A lot of people think that because someone has money and power, you know, they know everything. They can give you counsel about everything. You know, I worked in the hotel business for many years before I became a pastor. And one of the weird things that happened in the hotel business is when a guy became the general manager of the hotel, they thought that with the position came infinite knowledge. And they thought they could tell you about any area of your life. That is not the case. Having a conversation about what's happening in your life or what it's about to happen in your life and getting the counsel, the experience of life, because that word can mean advice, you know, how to live your life, or it can mean you know, that they share their life with you so you learn from the way that they live their life. That can be transformational and change the course of your life. But those things, if you think about it, don't happen very often. That, that, you know, two-way street. Because, like, if you go to, let's say, a good therapist, you know, if it, and if it is a good therapist, what they're going to do is they're going to show you what's going on and push you to make the best decisions, the wisest decisions. But you know what they're not going to do? They're not going to open their hearts to you. Because the nature of that relationship is professional, not emotional. So you don't really have emotional connection. And on the other hand, you're going to find people that you go to them to talk, but all they want to do is tell you their story. They don't want to hear yours. They have no interest. And every time you breathe, they interrupt. Right? They, they just want to blurt out their story. They don't have an interest in you. That's not friendship. This is why these relationships are exceptional. They're not normal, but you need them desperately. And you know why you need them so bad? Because the Bible you know, goes as far as to say that it is practically impossible for you to become the person that God meant for you to be without real friends around you. You need these friends. But when you have them, see this is what happens, this is the result. Proverbs 27:17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. When you have a friend, and this is a true friend that is consistent, that cares for you, and that there is the freedom between you to both encourage and confront, then you grow. That's what sharpening means. You start growing spiritually, okay? Only if there's that balance of interest between the two of you, there is friendship. So there is the four things. You know, they have to be consistent. They have to be careful with your heart. They have to be willing to confront you and willing to, Counsel. if you have built these blocks with a person you have one friend you know that's what friendship is and i considered ending the sermon there you know there they are you understand the four of them go and do them but if you think about it if you analyze this sermon more than once you're going to realize that we have a problem One of two things, or maybe both, are going to happen to you when you study these things. First of all, if you don't have a friend like that, you're going to start craving for one. If you had a friend like that, but it's no longer in your life, you know, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, you know, like, I I need a friend like that. But the other thing that is going to happen is when you study this information, you're going to realize how overwhelming it is to be a good friend. And maybe you will realize that the reason why you don't have as many friends as you need to have is because you haven't been as good a friend as you should have been. You know, so the question is, how can we do this? Because being a, a real friend, as we have just analyzed, it's, it's hard, right? I mean, how easy it is for you to really be open. And, and I'm talking here and I'm going to make an old parenthesis. This is for free. I'm talking about the relationship of friendship between two men or two women. My wife and I have been discussing this for many years and seeing what happens in life. And this idea that you can be just friends with a person of the opposite sex, it's an illusion. If you get that close, one of the two is going to change the emotion from friendship to something else. And it might not be you, but the other person definitely will be there. Uh, and, and especially for married people they think, like, but she's just my friend. No, he's just my friend. You are deluding yourself. That doesn't exist. It'll change into something else guaranteed. Okay? So how easy is it to be really transparent for a guy with another guy? You know, I think it's easier for, for women to open up their hearts. But how easy is it to always be there? To truly be there no matter what. It's really hard. And this is why I wanted to study where do we get the strength to become the friends that we need to be. See, um, before Jesus died at the cross, you read the chapters 14 to 17 of the gospel according to John. Uh, In different ways, Jesus is trying to convey to his disciples what is about to happen the meaning of what he's about to do. But, but in chapter 15, he explains this in terms of friendship. Look at what he said in John 15, verses 15 and 17. He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. This is my command, love each other. See, when Jesus said those words, the whole gospel can be explained or understood in terms of friendship. Jesus is calling himself our friend. See, in the book of Genesis, when God created Adam, it says there that he walked the garden with Adam, which is the analogy for friendship. That's what Hebrew people said, oh, we walk together. That means we're friends. And if you study what theologians say about the Trinity, they tell us that the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is a perfect, friendly connection out of love. They're friends. But think about what happened in the Garden of Eden. God created Adam to be his friend. He created us to be his friends. But what did we do? What did Adam do? He betrayed him. What do you do when someone that you consider a good friend betrays you? Usually what we do is we walk as far away as possible from that person because we don't want to be burned again, right? But Jesus, with his behavior, proved to us that he's our real friend. He's that friend that loves you. At all moments, at all types of times, especially in, in adversity. He's that friend that would do whatever is necessary so you will not go to ruin. He's the real friend that, you know, he doesn't give you friendly wounds. He took them for you. And when he died at the cross, he was willing to lose his friendship with God so that you would become a friend of God. So when you understand these things, See, we were just singing a minute ago how the blood of Jesus frees us. Do you realize in how many ways it frees us? So if you understand this thing, that Jesus died on that cross so that you could become a friend with God, that is going to free you to become a real friend to the people around you. Because if if Jesus loves me the way I am and accepts me and never going to reject me, then I stop being afraid of being rejected by you. Do you see how that frees you? I can tell you as a pastor. You know, one of the things that enslaves pastors, is thinking, will they like the message? Will they come back next week? No, but this frees me. Jesus loves me and accepts me and tells me, this is what you have to preach. I'm more afraid of him than you, so I'll preach it. You know? <laughs> if I know that Jesus is never going to disappoint me, then... I stop being afraid of being disappointed by other people because my security is not invested only in earthly friendships. I have the best friend of all. So you can become truly the friend that you can be. And, and, and there is something very interesting because, see, when you are liberated at the cross to become the friend that you can be, paradoxically, you're going to discover all the friends that you need. Because the gospel is not just the source of a friendship between you and Jesus. It's the source of true friendships around you. Just think about what we said. You need to have friends that are consistent, that care for you, that confront you, and that counsel you. And you think, how am I going to find people like that? Because we all tend to gravitate toward, towards people that are the same as we are. Correct? I mean, just go to a party and you'll see the groups form automatically we tend to go to people that are very much like us. But the reality is, if I need people in my life that will counsel me and confront me with things, I need people that see things the way I do, and I need also people that see things very different than the way I do. I know people that are as immature as I am, but I also need people that are a lot more mature than I am. So I cannot just gravitate to whatever calls my attention because then I'm going to run with the world. So where do I find these friends? This is why God designed the church. This is what he did. See, what happens with the gospel is that Jesus bursts into the life of people that are radically different. Just look at the variety in this room. In this room, you have people of high class, middle class, low class, no class, you know, like everything, you know. (laughs) You have white people, black people, brown people. You have, you know, older people, younger people, men, women, children, young. You know, everything is in here. So, so when this happens, all of a sudden, see, you find yourself becoming friends with people that you would have never picked as your friends. This is something that I found out in our church in Cancun. You know, I am friends with people that I would have never picked as a friend. But now I do. Why? Because you know what's... Our affinity? What's the one thing that we all have in common? Our love for Jesus. And when you find a person whose greater love is the same as yours, you can become friends with everyone, with everyone around you. And just think of the potential that that gives you. So think of the support system. See, you, you've been listening in this series, the importance of being there for your husband or your wife and, 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 and be you know, a good parent and a present parent and give them time and stuff. So what do you need in your life? You need in your life people that will help you be a better husband, a better wife, a better daughter or, or, or son. You know, people that are ahead of you and will confront you. Godly people that are available to you. This is why Christian friendships are radical. Radical. They transform you completely. And, and of course, even inside the church, you will tend to gravitate to your interest. But the greater love is the most important affinity. But then you like hugging people. Then you go to the welcome area. You like singing. Then you come to the you know, worship team. You, you know, we gravitate to other people. But our greatest love allows you to, to relate to any person that loves Jesus. And this is why, see, I'm very excited that they are launching small groups this February. See, it is impossible to find this type of friendship here coming one hour a week. Impossible. It is within a small group that you learn where the heart of the other people are, that you can be consistently there for another person, that you you, you can be there and care for them and confront them when they need to, and you can be advised or advise other people. So these friendships are truly you know, enriching. And uh, it's kind of funny because we, we push this all the time. And sometimes in Cancun people tell me, and if I make a mistake, if I go to the wrong group, uh, C.S. Lewis used to say, for the true Christian, nothing is random. Nothing. See, there's a master of ceremony always working behind the scenes that he's orchestrating absolutely everything that happens down here. So Jesus said to his disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And he says the same to us. You didn't choose each other. I chose you for each other. The the Bible says that at the wedding supper of the lamb, you know, at the end of times, there's going to be this huge banquet in heaven. And you know who's going to be present at that banquet? Only God's friends. Only. And we're going to be there. And God's going to place your name at the table where he wants you to sit. Have you ever been to a dinner where they put names at the tables and you have to find your name, sit down? Now, be honest. Have you ever arrived there, looked at your name, look at the name right next and think, I'm going to change my name to another location. <laughs> have you done that? We have, I confess. <laughs> Karina and I—it's well, a long story, but anyway. Um, <laughs> see, what, what I'm trying to tell you is, nothing is random. Nothing will be random there, and nothing is random here. God plays you where you are. So those neighbors that you have, those coworkers that you have, the people that you're going to find when you go to a small group, God. Place them there on purpose. So stop arguing with your host. He knows exactly what you need and who do you need around you. And if it makes you feel uncomfortable, good, sharpen, you know. This is what sharpens iron. So what you have to do is make of Jesus the friend that your heart craves for. And you're going to find all the friends that your heart needs. But this is why it's so important that you truly give your heart to Jesus, that he becomes your greater love. Because if you don't, you can try to fake it, but the affinity is not going to be there. You're not going to feel the connection. Make him your best friend, and then you'll be surrounded by the friends that you need. That's going to transform your life. Let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, we're so thankful for your word, for everything that you teach us in it. And I I think, Father, that some of us here need to repent and recognize that far from treating you as the friend that you are to us, uh, we have been going to you only when you're useful. We don't really try to make that deep connection with you, which then doesn't allow us to connect deeply with the people around us. But we don't want that relationship to be that way, Father. We really want to have the deep, loving connection with you. You Help us, Lord, because we need your help even for that. We want to love you and know you better and walk with you, hold your hand, learn from you, be guided and counseled and confronted by you, and then free us, Father, so that we can be that friend for the people around us, for the people that you have placed there because they need us. And even if we don't realize it at this moment, we need them. So help us, Father. It's in your beautiful name that I pray and ask you for all these things. Amen.